That's for nothing. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, when we get in this store, don't ask for nothing. I want to kind of start this in an unusual place. Um, I got to give you some history before I can get into the word. U.S. Court of Appeals judge, the late Damon J. Keith, said in his book, Crusaders for Justice, he said, you are walking on floors you did not scrub. And you're going through doors you did not open. What you are doing now is scrubbing some floors and opening some doors for the next generation. That we got to leave a legacy. Everybody say legacy. Judge Keith, who himself was a former janitor, rose to be a civil rights activist and a judge. And he understood that where he was in life and the achievements that he had made was a result of someone before him making strides in order for his life to be better. And his point, well taken, because we love to talk about, I need you to hear me, creating generational wealth in our community. Uh, but, but we must also embrace the concept, I need y'all to hear this, of making generational sacrifices in order to leave a lasting legacy and to help build up an enduring wealth for our future. In fact, our history teaches this, that when we look at the history of freed slaves, we know that slave parents who managed to be released from slavery did not just go on their way without thought to the younger and future generations. As reported in Larry Coger's book, Black Slave Owners Free, black slave masters in South Carolina, if one slave parent was free, that parent, along with the one still enslaved, would work tirelessly and try to accumulate resources to buy their children, and in so doing, give their children freedom. The accumulation of sufficient money to free the next generation called for many sacrifices for the free parent. Koger's book also gives glimpses of strategies that, enslaved, that the enslaved used to obtain the freedom of slave women of childbearing age so that the, their future would not be born into chains. This economic sacrifice to free mothers before they gave birth was, watch this, an investment for the next generation. And my question to you, ladies and gentlemen, is what if those strategies were applied to us today? What if we didn't bring children into a world that we, couldn't, that we could make sure they could be free from the bondage of debt? Sacrificial investments that we can make to buy back our children from the grasp of present-day forms of enslavement. I said it on last week and I'll say it again, that I believe that enslavement today is not necessarily of enslavement uh, 200 years ago. Enslavement today is through financial debt. And what if before we laid up with somebody, don't make me go there, and we started having children with folk that we made sure that their financial uh, prospect of their future was set before they even got here. Because some of us know that we were raised in poverty because nobody got themselves together before we showed up. And now we got to weigh the back. We have the back of debt of what mama did and grandma did is now on our back. We got the bad habits of what they did and we still walking in it to this day. What if you made up in your mind, single person, that before I have a child, I got to make sure I got my ducks in a row in order to see this the kind of preaching y'all don't like. Y'all won't touch a neighbor and turn around five times and the check is in the mail but what if you made up in your mind before I get married and before I have a child why don't I get myself together financially so that when my child gets here they ain't got to struggle like I had to struggle let me keep going after reconstruction generalization sacrifice uh, uh, took the form of the movement uh, for black farmland purchase and ownership the governmental promise of 40 acres and a mule to some former slaves was was a broken promise 
Black farmers, meanwhile, struggled to free themselves from sharecropping while also struggling to buy their own land um, on ongoing issues. For some, this ownership of farmland was used to support families, to provide resources to educate their children, to supply wealth to use to purchase other business investments, and to provide land where their adult children could continue to live even today. How about we start buying homes and buying property and buying land so that my children's children still got a place where they can come to and be grateful and thankful for that I even came into the world. See, that's so foreign to us because we're trying to get the next Louis. That's so foreign to us because my hair got to be tight. That's so foreign to us, but my nails are done. And why don't I take all the money from all the stuff that make me look rich and act rich, but I ain't rich, and why don't I put that in some investment that when my children's children look back, I'm gr glad that grandmama and granddaddy made the sacrifices that they needed to make in order for us to live the way we want to live. Farming is back-breaking work, but they did it. The sacrifice was real. But they understood that I may have to work hard today, but it, be, it will be worth it when my children have an upper hand in life. I don't know about you. I always tell people all, this all the time that if I ever get, uh, if I want to get to the place, not if I ever, I'm going to get to the place where I want to have, uh, uh, you know, I grew up in Monticello, Florida. Some of y'all don't know where that's at. They ain't got no stop, sign, no, uh, stop lights. They got one light that blinks to tell you to slow down. They, they, you know, it's very slow, and I grew up there, and I grew up around chickens and hogs and, and pigs and, and cows, and I grew up uh, running in, in big fields and going fishing, and what you caught that day, you ate that night, and, and I grew up hunting. That's all you hear right now. <laughs> I grew up in such a way that granddaddy would take us squirrel hunting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm that country. Squirrel hunting, yes. And then you would bring it back, and Grandma would skin it, and she would eat it that night, and we would all eat. It was good. It was good. Tastes like salty chicken. I'm trying to tell you, it was good. And and we and they would they would eat off the land. Guess what? And they were proud of it. Why? Because they ate off their own land. God, I wish I had somebody right there. And what if we got to the place? I know I'm talking on another level that y'all not ready for because you are looking at your debt and telling yourself, I can never get to that place. But if grandmama in them had less education, but they had more endurance, why can't we do the same thing? I wish I had somebody right there. Is there anybody in here that say, whoever got my last name from this day forward is about to be some blessed people because God is getting ready to position me in such a way that I'm going to have houses I did not build, land. That, listen, I need somebody in here to realize that you're getting ready to step over into another place that everybody attached to your last name going to have something in the bank. I need you to don't touch him. Just look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. He's talking to me. Turn me up in the house just a little bit. So we go through slavery. We go through reconstruction. And by the time we get to your mother walking into a store, because of the sacrifices that she had to make to provide for you. When we get in this store, don't ask for nothing. I have to tell you no now so I can tell you yes later. God, I wish I had somebody. I have to say no to you now in order for, for, for my finances to say yes to you later. I got to say no to the game now so I can say yes to the lights tomorrow. That's, that's what you about to do with your finances. You about to say no now for a yes later. For those that weren't here last week, last week we talked about the subject, uh, do you have McDonald's money? If you missed that message, you need to go on the, on the, on the site and go, uh, go listen to the podcast where we looked at how we believe the natural progression to a lack of money is solved by having more money. Everybody think that they just need more money. So if I had more income, then I wouldn't have a shortage. But we know that's not true because if you look at your income over the last 10 to 20 years, your income has grown. But isn't it funny? As your income has grown, so has your lifestyle. 
because we discovered last week, it's on the screen, come on, that more will make you do more of what you already do. If you are a crackhead and I give you more money, all you're going to be is a bigger crackhead. If you're a weed smoker, seven of y'all in here, if you're a weed smoker and I give you more money, all you're going to do is smoke more weed. I mean, just look straight forward. You ain't got to tell on yourself. <laughs> if you eat out at least once a day, more money is just going to make you eat out more a day. And if you eat out every meal, more money is just going to have you eating at more expensive places. Because more money don't make you change. It just makes you more what you already are. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure we, we all agree to that. Watch this. More money will just make you do what you're already doing. So if you waste money on eating out now, you will eat out, you will waste money on eating out later. If you mismanage what you have now, more money will just make you mismanage more. So what we must understand is that in order for us to go from shortage to overage, it's not about income, but it's about habits. Let me say that again. In order for us to go from shortage to overcome, it's not about income, it's about habits. John Maxwell says, most people have uphill dreams but have downhill habits. Uphill dreams. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay this. I'm going to start this. Whatever your dream is. But our habits don't support and match the place that we want to go. I don't know if you want to pray this prayer with me, but I've been praying this prayer all week long, and I need you to say this with me if you will. Lord, help my habit match where you're taking me. Yeah, yeah, I need for my habits to match where you're taking me because I don't want to have bad habits but a great place that I'm going. Some of you, the reason why you can't get no further than you already are is because your habits don't, don't get you to the place where you're supposed to be. You can't lose weight and still eat that ice cream. You can't lose weight and still eat out. You can't, you can't, you can't lose weight and not go exercise. Mm, I lost my church again. I keep losing y'all. I keep losing y'all because y'all think that my habits don't have to match where I'm headed. But God is saying it's easy to decree a thing and declare a thing out your mouth. But if your habits don't match it, it means absolutely nothing. Some of you are perfect at saying I love everybody, but your habits match that you are mean and hateful. God is saying, why don't you let your habits match up with what's coming out your mouth? Don't let your mouth write a check that your habits can't cash. Look down your road, say he talking to all us. He talking to all us. <laughs> Watch this, because you are what you repeatedly do. <laughs> you are not what you repeatedly dream, even though dreaming is good. You are not what you repeatedly plan, even though planning is a part of the process. You are not even what you repeatedly pray. I'll go back to this, yeah. That's the second time the devil done tried to stop this message today. Second time. No, third time, because I can't get this together. Watch this. Watch this. You're not even what you repeatedly pray, because some of us think if I pray about it, it will automatically happen. But prayer has a two-way nature. Prayer is not a genie in a bottle that you rub and, and God grants you three wishes. That's why some of us live in a state of disappointment with God. And we don't even want to pray no more because our prayers are not being answered. But when I pray, I have to do my part and then God will do his part. Watch this. You got to pray like it depends on God. But when you done praying, work like it depends on you. God, I wish I had somebody right there. Because faith without works is dead I need you to look at somebody you ain't got to touch them just tell them get your second wind back get your get your second wind back break time is over you're not waiting on the Lord you left it at his feet now you got to do your part you got to go fill out the application you got to pull the credit report you got to go get some counseling you got to go see a therapist you got to do your part because after you done prayed about it you got to put some work behind it I don't like the tone of voice some of y'all looking at me in. 
you have to develop habits. Let the church say habits. And Jesus tells this parable in Luke 16, and the parable is an earthly story with a heavenly implication. In every parable, there are two main characters. I said this on last week. Somebody in the parable that represents God, and then somebody that represents you and I. Luke 16, verse number 1 through 9. I want to go through this again. I talked about this last week, but I want to park here still. Uh, Luke 16, verse number 1 through 9. Jesus told his disciples, verse number 1, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. Verse number three, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. Verse number five. So he called in each one of his debtor, master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushel of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 800. The master commended, the master, look at verse number eight. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Everybody say shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I'm going to take a turn that you don't see. I just read that scripture just to set up where I'm headed, but I need you to kind of stay with me. Watch this. Have you ever realized that kids have the uncanny, supernatural ability to destroy your stuff? They have an innate ability. They got a gift to destroy your stuff. And they refuse, I ain't got no real parents in here, to take care of their stuff. They can't understand your anger and your frustration because what they fail to realize is everything you have, I paid for. And when they break it, they don't have to buy another one. Sometimes you want to look at them. Sometimes y'all do say this. Sometimes you want to look at them and say, you know you're actually destroying what's actually mine. Truth is, I'm just letting you borrow it. That shirt that you just threw on the floor and you didn't hang up, that's my shirt. That bed that you sleep in that you won't make up, that's my bed. That PlayStation you aggravated me about, that's my PlayStation. Because as the scripture says, naked you came into the world. And whatever you got, I paid for it. Am I talking to any real parents that could just wave at me and say, I know what you're talking about, preacher. I paid for everything. Turn them lights off. I got to pay for that. Turn that air up. I'm hot. Take off some clothes. Because I got to pay for that light bill. Get out that shower. It don't take that long to wash off. Raising up my water bill, 50 cent. <laughs> but this is the same difficulty that God has with us. You didn't see that. Because we walk around wasting and destroying what God has provided for us. And we do this just like our children because somewhere in us, we believe that what we have, we made it happen. What I have is because of me. I got that job. I got that house. I worked hard for that raise. But this is why we need the Holy Spirit to constantly remind us that God is the one that owns everything. Come on, let me give you a Bible. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. God just loans whatever I have out to me to manage. God gave you that job, honey. God gave you that house. God gave you that car. Here I go. God gave you that spouse. God gave you that 401k. God gave you that investment pro- property. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but 
promotion comes from the Lord and it is our job as managers to manage it in such a way that it reflects that I see everything that I have is a gift from God. God told me to tell somebody stop complaining about the job and start showing up on time or early because I see it as a gift from God. Uh, I treat my spouse right and I don't take them for granted because I see them as a gift from God. I don't treat my children like an inconvenience because I take the time with them because I know they are a gift from God. I don't take my church for granted. I support my church and make sure it has everything it needs and volunteers when I need to because I see my church as a gift from God because how you treat what God has given you is a praise to God. God told me to tell somebody. He really did. He told me to tell somebody. Put some respect on my name. When you get blessed, put some respect on my name. Give me glory when you know you got something you didn't deserve. Give me praise when you realize that everything I have, God gave it to me. Uh, I, that's why I tell you all the time to tell people to God be the glory for the things he has done. I can't sit around here and act like I did all this. I ain't that smart to have that job. I don't have all the qualifications. But God put favor on my life and blessed me in such a way that I got what I don't somebody say you ain't do that you ain't do that you look good but you ain't do that you got it going on but you ain't do that that outfit is hot but you ain't do that that car is nice but you didn't do that if it had not been for the lord who was on my side i don't know where i'd be so to god be the glory for the things he has and we do this because just like the manager in Luke 16, one day, somebody say one day, we will have to give an account to God for what he has given us. I want to lay out something. I've never talked about this before, but I need to lay out something. This is very theological and very deep, but I need you to stay with me. There are two judgment seats that we will have to appear before when we pass from death to life. Two judgment seats that we have to appear before when we pass from death to life. One day we will have to stand before, watch this, the judgment seat of Christ. Everybody say the judgment seat of Christ. Romans 14, verse number 10 through 12, it's on the screen. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. But this is not the judgment seat of Christ. It's not to be confused with the great white judgment throne. I'm teaching real good now. Some of y'all have never even heard that before. The great white judgment throne. It's in Revelation 20, verse number 11 through 15. Revelation 20, verse number 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire the lake of fire that is the second death verse number 15 anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire the only question at the great white judgment throne the only question that will be at the great white judgment throne that everyone will have to answer is what did you do with Jesus what did you do with Jesus if the answer is I gave my life to him, I trusted in his word, I believe that Jesus was the son of God, and I gave my all to him, Revelation says your name will be written in the book of life. 
But those who do that do not make that decision will spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Now, I know the church don't like preaching on hell no more, but hell is real. Ah, but so is heaven. Heaven is real. I, I don't know, but you need to look at your neighbor and tell them where you're going. Which, 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 which way are you going? Are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? Uh-huh. I need you to, I need you to, I need you to make up your mind. I need you to make up your mind that if you never confess the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm gonna give you a minute. I'm gonna give you an opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus Christ. But those that are saved, those who have given their life to Christ, after the great white judgment throne, you still have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, this is not a salvation question. Watch this. Now you're going to be asked about, here we go, your works. Now, we believe that you are saved by grace through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, I'm saved by, by grace through faith. I'm not saved by my works. My works don't save me because I can never be good enough to earn salvation. On my best day, the Bible says I'm still nothing but what? Filthy rags. So I can never be good enough. I receive it by faith. I receive salvation by faith. Some days I don't feel saved, but I know I'm saved. Why? Because I received it by faith. Sometimes I don't feel God, but I know he's there and I know he's real. Why? Because I received Receive it by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not something I can see with my eye. How you know you're saved? I know I'm saved. I can't tell you how I know. I just know there's something on the inside of me that keeps telling me I belong to God. I need those that belong to God and you know it. And it doesn't matter what the enemy tells you. Doesn't matter what your haters try to tell you. Doesn't matter what they post on Facebook. I know I'm saved, honey. I'm saved and I know it. I ain't perfect, but I'm saved. I don't get it all right, but I'm saved. I know that when I go from this place to the next place I'm going to spend eternity with God is there anybody here that can give God glory because you know you're saved for real but we also believe that works will be a result or watch this a response of salvation so because of the love the grace and the mercy of Jesus working in my life I can't help but to serve him because of the grace and the mercy and the love of God, I can't help but to love him back. My works got to match up with my, what I believe. That when I receive salvation into my life, all of a sudden something on the inside of me makes me want to worship him makes me want to lift him up makes me want to sing makes me want to greet makes me want to help the homeless makes me want to do something it, it puts something on the inside of me that pushes me because I'm so in love with Jesus Christ that I'm willing to do whatever he's required me to do in order to please him I just want to put a smile on his face I just want him to be happy with my life I want my praise to be a sweet aroma I feel like preaching I want my worship to be a sweet aroma in his nostrils I want with my hands to go up for him to get happy over me giving him the glory and the praise that's why I can't come to church and sit on my rusty dusty and act like I can't give him the glory and can't give him the praise let the redeemed of the Lord say so who has been redeemed from the hand of the enemy those that's been snatched out of the grip of the enemy that's why I glorify him that's why I lift him up I need those that's been redeemed take five seconds throw your hands up throw So my works is a result of my salvation. So at the judgment seat of Christ, we all have to answer this question. And here's the question. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with the blessings I gave you? What did you do with the open door I placed before you? What did you do with the deliverance that I gave you after you fasted for it? What did you do with the second, third, fourth, 75th chance? Because you and I got to give an account. This, this, this kind of preaching, you don't hear this much, you know, because now we got pie in the sky preacher. We got candy, cotton, you know, cotton candy preacher that, that sound good and make you feel good. And you just as happy as can be. You left high but you didn't leave changed. You, you, you were just so wonderful, and oh, he preached, and didn't we dance today? 
But one day you got to give an account. Now, this scripture always messed me up. Let me tell you why it messed me up. Because I know as a pastor, i got to give an account for my life and uh, how I treated you and what I taught you and what I preached to you. So I have a, a double account. i got to give an account for my life, and i got to give an account for how I, I shepherded you. Right? Uh, that's why you don't need to be rushing. Nobody should rush to be a pastor. Because you're signing yourself up for something. And sometimes the sheep make you mad. And you can act out of character. That's not pleasing to the Lord. <laughs> so I got to give an account that I didn't do it all right. I got, I got to give an account of, of, of what I did. But all us, everybody, look down your road, say all y'all, all y'all. We got to give an account for what we did with what the Lord gave you. Look at Matthew 16, verse number 27. It's on your screen. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then you will reward, then he will reward each person according to what they have done. The judgment seat of Christ isn't something to fear, watch this, but it's something to anticipate. Because we have, watch this, a reward coming. And the word reward means pay you back. That when you sacrifice for him, God says, I'm going to pay you back. That every tear you cried, I'm going to pay you back for it. That every time someone betrayed you and you kept your worship up, payback is coming your way. I don't know who I came to announce this to, but some of you are in a struggle. You are going through hell and high water, but you are keeping your worship up. You're keeping your praise up. You didn't let anything stop you from giving God the glory. God, is, God told me to tell somebody, you got back pay coming. God, I wish I had somebody right there. I don't know if there's anybody in here that's ever had money held up on your job, and they had to go back and pay you for what they had missed before. But I came to announce to somebody that can receive this by faith that you got that pay coming, that every tear you cried, God getting ready to pay you back for it. That every struggle you had to go through, God getting ready to pay you back for it. That every time you had depression, but you kept your worship and you kept being faithful, God says you got payback coming. I need to know, is there anybody in here that got some back pay that's coming in your life? That what I had to suffer through, that weeping may have endured for a night, but joy, payback, honey. God said he gonna give you back pay for what you had to struggle through God says thank you Holy Ghost that there's some people you had to struggle with and it seemed as if it was a waste of your time God told me to announce to some of y'all five of y'all that can catch this you got back pay coming I wish I wish you go ahead and give God the glory and give God the praise that he will not waste any suffering he will not waste any tear he will not waste any pain that you got back He don't waste it. He don't waste it. He don't waste it. I said, he don't waste it. I would tell you to touch your neighbor. Just look at him and say, he won't waste it. Every struggle you had to go through, he won't waste it. Every pain you had to endure, he won't waste it. He's going to give you back pay for it. He says, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, this is not when God is going to reprimand you but God is going to reward you. What did I do with my life? What did I do with what I gave? How I served? How I invested? How I used my time? Has I, how I used my talents? How I used my tithe? How I showed mercy? How I forgave? How I shared my faith? There is a spiritual transaction that is happening that one day God is going to pay you back for all the good you did. But here's what we got to understand. God has made you a manager of what he has blessed you with. I, I'm going to go out here, and I need you to kind of stay with me. Watch this. Look at the screen. I need you to understand this. Of managers shouldn't experience pressure. Managers should experience responsibility. I'm trying to help somebody today. Managers shouldn't experience pressure. I've lived this. Managers should experience responsibility. God brought you into freedom today. 
to take the pressure off you to take the pressure off your finances, to take the pressure off your life, to take the pressure off your struggle because if you do it God's way that means you are a manager and you don't have to deal with the pressure, all you got to deal with is the responsibility now if you are irresponsible to what he's told you to manage that's where the pressure comes from to learn this. This ain't my church. This is God's church. And the moment I realized that, it freed me. Because now I just have to be responsible as the under shepherd of this house. But I don't have to have the pressure that I used to carry in order to make this work. I need you to say this out your mouth. Say this to God. Say, God, this one is on you. That's why you got to look at your job tomorrow. Walk right up in there and say, God, this one is on you. That's why you got to look at your children when they're acting crazy and say, God, this one is on you. That's why you got to look at your bank account some days when it's running real low and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet and say, God, this one is on you. Ah, because I know that I'm not going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. I'm going to take the pressure off. I need you. I know Corona going around. Give your neighbor a, a elbow and tell them, take the pressure off. This is on God. Your life is on God. Your finances are on God. Let God handle it. You just be responsible to what he said. Take the pressure off. Take the pressure off your marriage. Take the pressure off your marriage. That's, that's God's. God, you see him? You see him? You see how she acting? You see how he acting? So why they looking at you wanting, wanting to fight? You looking back at them. Good morning. What's wrong with you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Why ain't nothing wrong? Because the pressure ain't on me. The pressure is on God. Because what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So either he going to check me or he going to check you. But one way or another, God is the one that's going to put this thing together. I'm just going to be responsible and do what I got to do as a husband and do what I got to do as a wife. And I'm going to be responsible for what God says. But the pressure is on God. Take the pressure off. Because when you manage it God's way, I will handle my responsibility, but without the pressure. I don't know who this is for, but I hope you can receive this. Somebody needs to just lift your hand and receive this. You're getting ready to step into a season of responsibility without pressure. Yeah. You're getting ready to step into a season of responsibility without pressure. No, your responsibilities ain't gone. You still got to take care of what you got to take care of. But God says, I'm getting ready to take the weight, the pressure, the, the, how you're burdened down with it. I'm getting ready to take it off your shoulders because you're getting ready to manage it God's way. And when you manage it God's way, God says, I'm going to take the pressure off your life. So, so question becomes on the screen, how do I take the pressure off? Last week, we discovered that the order that God wants us to prioritize our finances in, in order to take the pressure off. So what did we say? First thing that we said was God wants him to make him a priority by what? Giving to him first. We got, we got to give to him first. He wants the first fruit because as we learned last week, your first is your best. Your worship is in your first. That's, that's why when you get up in the morning, before you have to deal with your wife, before you have to deal with your children, you have to deal with your boss, you need to get in the presence of the Lord and give him the first part of your day. You give God your first because it's your best. And then you trust him with the rest. And then after you give him your first, you give to him. The next thing you do is you save. Everybody say save. save. When life happens, I need to have something stored up for a rainy day. Washing machines break down. Car stops working. Children will need things unexpectedly. Life happens and you need something saved up. Your, your, your child breaks something or, or does something wrong and you are going off. You ain't even mad that it's broken. You're mad, watch this, that you ain't got nothing saved. So you have, di you have misplaced anger. You are going off on your children when you need to be going off on yourself. Because you didn't plan for a rainy day. 
And then after you have watched this given and saved, the third thing you got to do is live your life. It's, it's your lifestyle. You got to make sure. Watch this. God wants you to live a good life. So you got to make sure you got it in order. Watch this. You got you to gotta, you gotta make sure you got it in the right order. Because if you don't have it in the right order, you, you, you're going to watch this. The pressure is going to be applied to the wrong place. Uh, um, God wants you to have a good life. He wants you to enjoy the fruit of your labor. Just, just not experience, just not at the expense of giving, of your giving and your saving. Because watch this, lifestyle is temporary. Lifestyle is temporary. Let me put it like this. You ever, um, this ain't, we just gonna have an honest conversation just between me and you. We're gonna tell on ourselves. You ever really didn't have the money but you went and bought that outfit anyway. You know, you had you had that you had that event coming up. You you know you you had a date coming up. You you had that that thing that you wanted to impress. You know, you was gonna come in. I'm gonna kill him with that. I'm gonna kill him with this. I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill him. I mean, you 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 going in there, um, on, on, in the store in the wing of prayer, and you in, you in the you in the you in the changing room, and you putting it on. And, and one side of you saying, you know, you don't need to get this, and the other side saying, ooh, you look good. I mean, this is hiding all your stomachs. I ain't got no real. Some of y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Can we just get real? That sometimes you put on an outfit that you look so good in. You looking at yourself like, I'd marry myself. Watch this. And then after you spent your last on that outfit fast forward two three years you won't even put it on now because it's out of style or it don't fit what am I saying to you lifestyle is temporary you went crazy over that car now you ain't even got it because lifestyle is temporary. I know you love your hair. You look good. It's wonderful. But five years from now, you're going to be looking at a picture saying, why in the world did I put that in my head? Look at your neighbor and say, lifestyle is temporary. So if you don't get this order right, when the pressures of life come, Whatever is at the bottom assumes the most pressure. You get to determine where the pressure goes. And I would, have I would rather have pressure on eating out than on not giving to God what he deserves. Because watch this, even though I can't eat out, I still got groceries in the refrigerator. I still got a stove that I can put something together. And nine times out of ten, I can make it taste better than the restaurant could ever make it taste. I could go on YouTube and find how to put it together and be, come out a whole lot cheaper. I'd rather put the pressure on my lifestyle than disobeying God. I'd rather put the pressure on my lifestyle than not having a dime to my name. I'd rather have the pressure on the lifestyle. I'd rather cut the cable I know it's getting quiet I don't care then if my car break down now I got to borrow from people who sick of you anyway it's getting tight up in here I'd rather I'd rather not have to have this and have some of this because life's going to happen one day. Church getting quiet. I'd rather, I'd rather not have whatever this is that I think I got to have so that if they do lay me off, I got six months in the bank and I can sit back in ease and, and not be worried about if the light's going to get cut off because I got some savings to my name. So how do you take the pressure off? I'm so glad you asked. I only got two points. Number one, number one, come on, let's go. You got to separate your then and now. 
You got to separate your then and now. This is a mental thing. Your then represents your past. Your now represents your present. The problem in the area of our finances is that we continue to live in the past. So you make, you make a financial decision. It goes bad. And instead of learning from it and moving on, you wallow in it. So you sabotage your now because of what, hap what happened then. So instead of, this ain't y'all, but I'm just talking about me. Instead of doing better financially, you remember your then debt. And you rationalize not doing better in your now. Okay, okay. You missing what I'm saying. Let me, let me back it up. Watch this. So, 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 so I, 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 I made a bad financial decision. I'm that much in debt. And, and so I, I should be paying off my debt. But then when you go to the store or you see what you like, you rationalize in your head why you need to go ahead and get it because I don't know when I'm going to pay that off. Because you have not separated your then and now. Your then is now. Because you keep dragging it with you everywhere that you go. You, some of you, have so much school debt that you have told yourself, I will never get out of this. So you have rationalized in your own mind how to live the rest of your life full of debt. Yeah. And driving Uber is beneath you. Picking up a part-time job for some months is beneath you. I'm tired. You know why you're tired? Because you keep looking at that debt. <laughs> and debt has a way of wearing you out. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you ever pulled that credit report and you saw how much was on there? Did you ever look at it? Y'all ain't like me. You ever look at it and say, I don't even remember that. When did that even happen? <laughs> And you lied to yourself because you didn't remember exactly when it happened. Am I, am I the only one? Am I the only one? Okay, I hope I'm talking to an honest church today. You need to separate your then and now. Because, watch this, if you don't separate your then and now, what you create, watch this, is a cycle in your life. You ready for the cycle? Here's the cycle. Made a bad financial decision. I have to suffer with it. So now, here's the cycle. Now I have to borrow more debt to pay debt. And it digs a deeper hole that leaves you stuck in the past. God wants me to tell you this. Watch this. Here we go. You will have to, you will have no peace in the present while living in the pain of the past. You will have no peace in the present while living in the pain of the past. You're praying for the peace of God in your life, but you're carrying yesterday's baggage into today. And it's affecting your life. You have to separate your then and now. You got to literally look at your finances and say, watch this, and look at your credit report and look at your debt and say, that was then, this is now. And I refuse to let the pain of my past rob me of the peace in my present. Yes, that was a bad relationship, but that was then, and this is now. Yes, they hurt me, but that was then, and this is now. Yes, that church did me wrong, but that was then, and this is now. My praise is because what I survived then, I can go after better now. Now. Is there anybody in here that's making up your mind that who, when God sets you free, old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. That was then and this is now and I will not be held in bondage to the things of then. We are struggling because we can't get over what happened to us. The Lord has really been shifting me um, in my in my language because I don't know if you like me I have a tendency to rehearse something over and over and over and you know the more you rehearse it you know you obsess over it yeah. right because you keep telling yourself the same thing over and over again you're going to have to literally change your language you're going to have to look at your debt look at your finances and say I might have mismanaged it then but watch this, being financially free is now. And I don't care how many podcasts you listen to. If you can't get over the mental 
of what happened then, you will never walk into the peace that God has for you now. I need you to look down your row and tell them there's peace that God has for you. There's peace. There's peace. I don't care if you $50,000 in debt. God told me to tell you that he got peace for you right now. That God is going to work all things together for your good. And it doesn't matter what it looked like and it doesn't matter what it feel like. I know you're struggling, but I need somebody in here. Watch this. This is how you bust it up. You got to tell the devil, even in spite of everything that happened then, I survived it. And since I'm a survivor, I know God must got better for me. That's ahead of me. I need all the survivors in here to go ahead and give God glory for where God is taking you. Not what happened then, but what God is doing in your right now. You gotta get past that. You gotta get past that. So every time my eyes open, I got a fresh 24 to do something different. Mm -mm. I got to say that again. Every time my eyes open, I got a fresh 24 to do something, to, something different. I got the next paycheck. I got the next opportunity. I got the next business decision. I'm not waiting for one day. I have it right now. That's the nature of God. God is more concerned about who you are becoming than who you've been. I need somebody to get freed up right there. God is more concerned about who you becoming than who you've been. Because God knows who I used to be. I was a mess. I was jacked up. I made all the bad, wrong decisions. I went the wrong places. I, I said yes to myself when I should have told myself no. I got a, can we just go ahead and tell the real truth? I wasted money that I should have never wasted. I slept with some of the wrong people I should have never slept with. I got in relationship with people I should have never got in relationship. There's some jobs that were good for me that I should have never walked away from. I should have showed up on time. I should have did what the people asked me to do. But that was then. This is now. And now I'm deciding to make different decisions for where I'm headed. Is there anybody in here that can give God glory for where you're headed in your life? I need your praise to reflect how big your future is. I need your praise to reflect how big your future is. I need your praise to reflect how big your future is. That was then. This is now. That was then. This is now. That was then. This is now. And can I tell you something? Stop allowing people. Watch this. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Because there's some relationships we have that keep us tied to our history. I realize, Chantel, I got some friends that only want to talk about the past. They, they want to go back down memory lane of what we used to do and where we used to be. Can I, can I say this? I speak this over your life. I speak that God is getting ready to walk you into some seasons where you're going to have people that will surround you that is only going to speak to your future and not to your past. God, I wish I had somebody. I, I'm ready for God to hook me up with some people that can grab me by the hand and say, Chantel, there's greater in front of you. Wherever you are, you will not be there any longer. I see greatness on, side, on the inside of you. I see a spirit of entrepreneurship on the inside of you. I need some people that can speak to my future and not to my past. I know you can't grab your neighbor's hand, but just elbow them and say, I see you in the future, and you look a whole lot better than you do right now. I see where your God is getting ready to take you. You're an overcomer. You're a lender, not a borrower. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. I wish I had some praises right there that can look at your neighbor and say, I see you in the future, and you look better. So what you're saying, remember how broke we used to be? Yeah, but wealth is attached to my last name. Remember we ain't have two nickels to rub together? Well, yeah, I live in overflow now. Oh, you got the promotion? No, but it's coming. <laughs> I got more than a promotion. I got favor. God, I wish I had. I said, I got more than zeros in the bank. I got the favor of God that when I walk in the building, whatever has my name on it has to come my way. Whatever God got for me, no devil in hell can stop it because I'm walking in divine favor over my life. All the favored people, throw your hands up, throw your head back, and holler favor.
Stop talking about who freedom used to be. Stop talking about who freedom used to be. Stop talking about what we used to do. We ain't there no more. Where we're headed is greater than where we came from. We might have started at a Zamar Center, but God is going to bring us into a place that the eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. We might have been on 5600, but God getting ready to take us to greater. We may have five praise seat members, but God getting ready to overflow us. Is there anybody in here? We might have 130 members, but God getting ready to take us to 250 because the greatness is in front of us. Stop talking about where we came. y'all out of here. The Bible says that the master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. Now, Teresa, Minister Teresa, let me tell you, this, this is one of the parables that confounds the theologians because it makes no sense that if the man doing something wrong, if God is the owner, how is he commending the manager? You wrong. How is God looking at the person that's wrong and telling me, I commend you? That messes up all our theology. How is, did you read the scripture? How is the, own, the owner looking at the manager and saying, I know you did wrong. I know you didn't manage my, what I gave you right. But after you went and tried to hook up what you tried to hook up, I commend you. Wait a minute, shouldn't strike, strike, lightning strike him? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't, you know, God should just strike him dead right then and now? He did wrong. Why is God commending him? He says, I commend you. The text says, because you acted shrewdly. Everybody say shrewdly. The word shrewd, watch this, means to act with foresight. To act with foresight. God wants his managers to act with foresight. God showed this to me. We don't like to make mistakes. But there's power in your mistakes. I need you to look at somebody and say, there's power in your mistakes. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you done beat yourself up for the last five years because of a mistake you made. I know you've been killing yourself over the mistake you made 17 years ago, and you still ain't got over it. But God told me to tell you, watch this, that there's power in mistakes. Watch this that I learned from because if you learn from the mistakes it gives you the ability to develop foresight some things you would have never learned if you didn't make the mistake can, can you thank God that even though you made the mistake God allowed you to get discernment out of your mistake my eyes are open now, and I can see clearly now. And some of us can even say, it was a costly mistake, but I'm better for what I've been through. God, I wish I had somebody right there. I came to take the pressure off somebody because you've been beating yourself up for weeks and months and years of a mistake that you made, but some of you would have never learned who to date if you didn't first learn who not to date. Some of y'all would have never learned how to get your finances together until you first mismanaged your finances. It was good for me that I be afflicted. It was good for me that I had to suffer. It was good for me that I had to be tried in the fire because once I was tried in the fire, I came forth as pure gold. Is there anybody in here that can give God 10 seconds? It's a real praise for every mistake that you learn from. I learned to do better. I learned to act better. I learned to make better decisions. I learned I don't want to waste not one mistake. Let me learn from every mistake. Let me learn how to keep my mouth closed. Because I made a mistake and I said too much one time. And then it caught up with me. Y'all ain't going to tell the truth. I learned how to shut my mouth while everybody else talking. I learned how not to send an email with uh, bold letters, <laughs> capital letters all through it. <laughs> I, I learned. I learned, watch this, which battle to fight and which battle not to fight. 
because I made the mistake of trying to fight every battle. And then God had to tell me one day, be still and know that I am your God. He had to look at me and say, the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. So I sit there while they conspiring on me, and I sit there while they talking about me. And while they talking, I'm praying, and I'm interceding, and God will turn the whole thing around and move somebody that was getting on my nerves to another department. Because God says, be still. Because I learned that from my mistakes. There's power in mistakes. Why, why is God commending him? My point number two, and I'm done. He learned how to make the most of time and opportunity. This man took a limited amount of time, a, little bit, a limited amount of opportunity, and he made the most of it. Beloved, I'm trying to tell you today, this got to be our mindset. Let's use the limited amount of time and the limited amount of opportunity to make an impact in the kingdom of God. Will I spend my life stressing and worrying over lifestyle? trying to keep up with the Joneses? Will I spend my life in stress out over stuff that really don't matter at the end of the day? Killing myself to keep a car I can't afford to impress people I don't even like? Am I going to stress myself out over lifestyle? We're going to talk about lifestyle a little deeper next week. But, 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 but you got to make up your mind to make the best of the time and the opportunity that God has given you. This ain't for everybody. But the Lord has really been challenging me on this. No more wasting time. Somebody need to lift your hands and say, I receive that in Jesus' name. I will not waste any more opportunity. I will not waste any more time. That if you put it in front of me, I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to turn the sucker out because you put it in front of me. I'm going to work it until it can't be worked no more because you put it in front of me. Every time my eyes fling open, I got a fresh 24 to do something different. So I'm going to make the most of the time and the opportunity that you, I will not mismanage what you put in front of me any longer. That's what God is trying to get us to the place. We've been singing this every week and I want to sing it this morning because this some of the people have been asking me, why don't we do the Tyler's Creed anymore? And when the Lord gave me this song, I had never heard it before. That was what the Lord was trying to say to us. That this is now the Tyler's Creed, the song you need to sing over your life. That I have everything I need. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. Some of y'all need to say that out your mouth. I have everything I need. I don't care who you came with the weight of whatever is going on in your life. I have everything I need. I lack for nothing. The great I am provides for me. Somebody lift your hands. Come on, let's say that. I have everything that I need. I have everything I need. Come on, say, I have everything. everything I need. The great I am. The great I am provides for me. The great I am. The great I am provides for me. Come on, say it one more time. Lift your hands. I have everything. I lack for nothing. I have everything. That's it, worshipers. I have everything. One more time. 